Well, hello and welcome to Binge Watch, the podcast where we take a look at the hottest new TV and film releases on streaming television platforms. I'm Hannah Fernando, the group editor of Woman and Woman Home magazine. And I'm Ian McEwen, writer on What's on TV, TV Times and TV and Satellite Week magazines. And today we're looking at the new releases for the week starting Friday the 17th of November 2023, including the eagerly anticipated final season of Netflix royal drama The Crown. Yes. And Keanu Reeves and racing driver Jensen Button teaming up to tell Braun the impossible Formula One story on Disney+. Plus. And we'll also be checking out Kurt Russell's epic creature feature series, that rhymes, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV, and documentary JFK, the home movie that changed the world on ITVX. But first, Ian, what is in the news? The Disney Plus 10-part period drama Shogun, remember that, adapted from James Clavell's novel and set in 17th century Japan, will star Cosmo Jarvis as marooned Englishman John Blackthorne, and Hiroyuki Sanada as Japanese Lord Toronaga. What else is in the news, Hannah? Well, a former assassin's family road trip to Vegas turns into a high-stakes adventure in Apple TV Plus's movie The Family Plan, which will be starring Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Monaghan and Kieran Hines. Pretty varied selection. This week we've got a sports documentary, um, a JFK documentary. We've got a creature feature series and the return of the crown for the last time we're going to start on disney plus with a documentary series called brawn the impossible formula one story it arrived on wednesday the 15th of november and here's a clip for as long as i can remember i've had a fascination with racing and i'm going to share a story that barely seems believable Jensen Button crosses the line, takes the chequered flag. How do you feel? <laughs> it's really amazing. Only one team in their debut race in the history of the sport have been able to get pole position and then go on to win. It's the rise and rise of the sports documentary, isn't it, Hannah? That's the story. So Drive to Survive on Netflix set the bar. It went behind the scenes of a series of Formula One seasons going back in time a bit for this one. So it's presented by the wonderful Keanu Reeves, who is going around interviewing lots of people to tell the story of the Formula One team, Braun GP. So Ross Braun, that's the man it's named after. So he left Ferrari and joined Honda and had been massively successful with Ferrari. Then the financial crisis hit and Honda... We're going to pull the plug on the team. So Braun managed to get a sort of management buyout going. And then later down the line, Richard Branson got involved, of course. And he had uh, Rubens Barrichello and Jensen Button as his two drivers. And, you know, they're minnows of F1, basically. And, I mean, they started when they started. They didn't, they didn't have an engine. They had to adapt an engine to the car that they built. But they had built quite a revolutionary car. And there was a bit of controversy about, mm, was, did the car kind of break the design rules a bit? Anyway, they won the, not just the Drivers' Championship, but the Constructors' Championship in 2009, which was quite astonishing. 
And yes, we start episode one is all about that backstory. Braun is a very mild-mannered guy, but he's clearly hugely talented. And Keanu Reeves is great in this because he's doing the interviewing. He's clearly well-informed about F1 and an enthusiast, but it's not about his star power at all. He's just there to ask the questions and help propel the story along. So... F1 fans will absolutely lap this up. I don't really remember this very much at all. But even if you're not a huge F1 fan, it's just a, it's a great story of a team that, you know, they were tiny to start with. They nearly went under. And against all odds, they they won. I mean, it's, a really, it's an amazing story and, and really well put together. Did you enjoy this, Hannah? Yeah, I actually like Formula One. Um a lot and I used to watch it all the time and now it's sort of in the background while I'm doing jobs and you know that's sort of the noise of the <laughs> the car going round and round the track I don't know I find it quite comforting I don't know why um but I sort of this era is when I kind of watched it I guess I had more time at, at that point in my life and that was the time I used to watch it and so um seeing Jensen Button who has aged remarkably well I must say um and Keanu Reeves equally so um in the same screen was it was a delight really um but that aside and going back to the uh what we're here for Ian um is that it, it's about a team that really did beat the odds um winning the world championship um and then before it was sold to Mercedes and then seeing quite how emotional the people involved got um and Keanu Reeves at first I kind of thought what's he doing here because he's a Formula One fan but it, as you say it's not all about him he's not there because he's a great celebrity he's there um in quite an understated way I suppose to kind of interview and, and, and chat to um and Jensen Button in fact I was invited to a lunch they were promoting this and I was invited to a lunch with him which I was unable oh. to attend but I'd love to have attended actually um well, I was not invited to I this lunch no but you should have been um <laughs> I you could have had my spot um but yeah no I I have to say I think that he's re he comes across are so genuine and they're so young these guys aren't they when they start doing something like this and it's really quite um i mean it's it's dangerous the sport is dangerous but yeah i i i really enjoyed it i really like these sporting documentaries and this just had i think something slightly different a bit of a different twist a bit of star quality and yeah absolutely brilliant now for the big one hannah which you're going to talk about this week it is the final series of The Crown on Netflix. It arrived on Thursday the 16th of November and here is a clip. In light of the events of the last 12 months, perhaps I have more to reflect on than most. The royal family is in genuine crisis. Have royal scandals damaged the country's reputation? Yes, this is the uh, final um, series, final season of The Crown. And um, I'm looking forward to it. We kind of touched on it last week. And I, there's part of me that's um, a bit concerned about this one, I should say, because it's weird. As the, as the seasons have gone along, of course, it's closer and closer to the times that we remember. So, you know, I, for example, remember exactly where I was when Princess Diana 
died. And I think a lot of people do. And then their memories, because previously when I was first watching, I was really intrigued by the whole thing. And it was really hard to kind of separate the fact from the fiction, I suppose, to a degree. Particularly as visually, it's incredibly factual in terms of, you know, outfits and what have you. You've done an incredible job on that front. So for me, um, the latter part of this um, kind of storytelling, this narrative, has, has been harder for me to watch because I think actually I'm questioning it more because I was around at that time. So I kind of, and there's been lots of noise around this one as well. There really has been because, of course, um, the one thing the royal family, I believe, didn't, didn't want was kind of, raking, understandably, raking over Princess Diana's death and, and, and would it be crass and, and how could it not be crass, I suppose, arguably, um, given what happened. And... Netflix have indeed done that. They have they have gone near there. So we've covered nearly fifty years um, of uh, you know of kind of royal time, um, and this is the sixth and final ten part season. So it's going to air in two parts: the first four episodes, and then the final six episodes on the fourteenth of December. And it starts um, on Princess Diana's final days, um, and then goes into her her tragic death and. Um, I don't think there'll be much grey area for people. I think it will be quite marmite. I think some people will think that it's the wrong thing to have done. And some people will think, well, they're just put it, making a drama out of something that is real and that did happen. And they're just sort of, you know, touching on history. And so therefore, you couldn't leave that part of the story out. So I do think it may be quite divisive um, this season more than any other. Um, particularly as I think there's so much sort of love for princes william and harry as well i think so i think i think it will it it will be tricky and i do think it'll be a bit marmite for people um and i also um was really interested to see this one because of course i know uh, the person who is playing uh, kate middleton in this as well so that's been an interesting journey personally to see her kind of grow and see um her do amazing things i just don't know whether it's gone too far and i i feel quite agnostic about it i just don't know um it is really still where i sit i don't know that i'm entirely comfortable with it but equally it is part of history i do think everybody's done a great job of kind of continuing to um you know dominic west as as prince charles his relationship with camilla parker bowles played by olivia williams tony blair forms a, a part of this and his narrative will be interesting because, of course, we've seen in previous episodes someone like John Major stepping out and saying, I didn't say that. That wasn't true. Um, it will be interesting to see whether you get the same thing here because, of course, there's conversation around the fact that the Queen's, what she was going to say about Princess Diana's death, you know, perhaps had to be rethought that Tony Blair was behind that at the time. So I do think there are people around that can really challenge the narrative. And I think this will, will be what's interesting going forward. So as much as I love it, I am quite, I, I, I feel relatively uncomfortable in parts of this. What do you think, Ian? I think The Crown is a great series. And I think, if anything, it's been quite generous in the way it's portrayed most of the real life figures. I mean, obviously, none of us know what the royals are really like. But I think for the most part in the crown that they've been painted, you know, fairly positively. They've been made to be, you know, a lot of them to sort of quite thoughtful and questioning what's going on. You know, we don't know if they're really like that or not. But, um, yeah, it starts with a guy walking his dog at night in Paris and then you see the tunnel and you think oh no okay what's happening 
But then, as you say, it flashes back, and it spends quite a lot of time on Dai and Dodi. And I would say Mohammed Al-Fayed, who, of course, is no longer with us, he does not come out at all well in this portrayal. He, he's, he's a sort of a schemer, really, and he's trying to set his son up with Dai, and it's suggested, obviously, because he's always wanted British citizenship, and it suggests he's got this ulterior motive. And Dodie, I mean, when he met Diana, he was two weeks away from getting married. You know, I mean, it's... Anyway, I just think it's really well done. And Elizabeth Debicki is superb as as Di. She's absolutely great. And again, Olivia Williams as, as Park Bowles. You know, you've got Leslie Manville as Princess Margaret. And I think Imelda Staunton is the best queen of the crown. No, Claire Foy. Okay. Much <laughs> as I like Jonathan Price, I I think he is a bit miscast as Prince Philip, even though he's a great actor, but I don't quite buy him. And Bertie Cavell is great as Blair, I must say. Over the series, here and there, the crown has lost its way a little bit, but by and large, it's been really, really good, really well done, well cast, well written. And, and I think this is more of the same. And, yeah, we're going to hear, see a lot more about Harry and Wills and kind of the royal romances. So, yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait to watch more. Episode one was superb. And now for something completely different, as they say, Hannah. Over on Apple TV+, Plus, it's a new sci-fi series which arrives on Friday the 17th of November. It's called Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. And here's a clip. This is the world we live in. Monsters are an inescapable reality. And it's just Those files belong to us, and they are more important than you could possibly imagine. There's a new this is going to give me nightmares. Okay, brace yourselves, Godzilla fans. Uh, this is a ten-parter, and it stars the great Kurt Russell and his son, Wyatt, who really looks like a chip off the old block. And the first scene is pretty exciting. Uh, you see this guy, he's being attacked by a giant spider, so immediately, tick. <laughs> and then a giant crab appears, and the spider and the crab have a massive fight. So <laughs> that's really exciting. It's great. And, and the guy throws this suitcase into the sea, and you think, oh, okay. What's going on there? So it's a spin-off, I, I gather, from the Monsterverse films and comic books in which the likes of Godzilla and King Kong feature. OK, you probably knew that, Hannah. So Russell the Younger, Wyatt, he's in a 1950s set part of the story as an army lieutenant called Lee Shaw. He's going with two scientists to investigate some strange phenomena, okay? Um, and then when they get there, something unexpected and quite surprising happens. Meanwhile, in 2015, you've got Kurt Russell. Now, uh, he's playing the older version of Lee, and he's living in a Japanese retirement complex. And this modern timeline is set after a big battle between Godzilla and some other monsters which devastated San Francisco. And if you saw the 2014 movie Godzilla, 
that's what happened in that. So I'm not really into the whole Godzilla thing, I must admit. I'm not that bothered. But this is well done. It's it's and and they've they've taken some time to create some interesting characters and stories. So we meet a teacher called Kate, played by Anna Sawai, who was in San Francisco on G-Day, as it was called, and we see flashbacks to the day when Godzilla was wreaking havoc. She's come to Tokyo because her father, his plane went missing, he's presumed dead, and she's sort of come back to sort out his affairs. But when she knocks on the door of his home, uh, well, someone else is living there, hello, but her dad's photos are all on the wall. It turns out she's got a half-brother, Kentaro, played by Ren Watterby, who she never knew about. But this mysterious bag that was thrown into the sea is there, and they team up to find out what's it all about. What does it mean? And there's the, yeah, there's this organisation called Monarch is going to sort of come to light. What have they been up to? So I feel it was. I feel it's been well done. I like Kurt Russell. I think his son's pretty good in this. I think there are some well-drawn characters, but I mean, I guess I'd like to see if if it's going to be a creature feature series. I just want to see plenty of monsters um, ASAP. So although we see them in we see them in the first sequence, then we get a few flashbacks, little glimpses of Godzilla. I think I probably like more of that. I, I'm just it's just not a franchise that I'm particularly invested in. But I think if for people who are fans, and there've been you know good and bad Godzilla movies over the years, haven't there? I think this is up there. I think it's quality, if you like that sort of thing. Uh, Hannah, one for you? Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, it's a bit complex, isn't it? I, I, I struggle with this kind of jumping forward and backward. And I think you make a really valid point about the fact that if it's going to be a creature feature, make it about the creatures. <laughs> it feels like a bit less invested in them than actually trying to find out what's happened to the father and, you know, the fact that she's found a brother that she didn't know she had and this bag. It's all a bit deep. I mean, to be honest with you, like you say, if it's just going to be about creatures, then that's what you want to see and them coming and taking over the world or whatever they're going to do. So I don't think there's anything to particularly not like um, about it. It's just for me, I, I, it's almost kind of you've got the genre it's cut out, it's there, it's, you're going to kind of deviate. And I suppose that's all about trying to be a bit different, and I don't think it needs to be. We're going to finish on ITVX with a documentary called JFK, The Home Movie That Changed the World, which arrived on Thursday the 16th of November. And here is a clip. Three shots were heard to a ring out. Mrs. Kennedy was heard by reporters nearby to scream, oh no. Yeah, so um, I obviously we have sent the screener of this and, and, you know, you can see what's happened. But I didn't realise until I, I watched some of this that actually there was there's so much out there on JFK and I know that sounds ridiculous doesn't it but I don't think I've, I've I've sat down and watched a lot of it and then I kind of did a bit of research into it and realized that there's just been so much out there in fact over a thousand books have been written um I think a lot of them are conspiracy theories mind you um but this is from a very very different viewpoint so this is using footage 
and telling the story of a Jewish immigrant called Abraham Zapruder, who was um, who saw who has the footage of the actual shooting. Well, of course, there was lots of conspiracy theories around this death, wasn't there? With with JFK, you know how it was done. Um, was it was it somebody just wanted to you know to kill him? Was it a, a conspiracy to kill him? What was it? And um, this was the actual footage, and they in this. I, I don't know about you, Ian, but I found it incredibly moving. I, I felt really, I mean, obviously, I, clearly I never knew him. I often think this when people in the public eye die and you feel the sense of emotion for somebody you didn't actually really know. And, of course, this is many, many years ago. You know, no bearing on my life, if you like. But it just felt so dreadfully sad. And I don't think I've seen anything so real. So, you know, you, his wife was sitting next to him, um, the blood stained clothes that she was wearing at the end of it as she held him um and then they the bodyguards people around them were all interviewed as well and so it's kind of um i don't know it it, it feels incredibly raw yet and and these grown men who are now really you know sort of much older are just welling up talking about it they kind of the ptsd that they must have would be absolutely awful um i think it's a really interesting way i know that it took a long time to get hold of this guy to be able to get this footage i think he's a home movie enthusiast and um to get hold of this footage to, to try and do something like this but i think it is um really really compelling really really moving and brings to life something that so much has been written about um and yet here it is laid bare this is it um so, uh, to be honest with you, um, it's yeah. You you need time to watch this, and you, and you need and you need the tissues at the ready. I think. What do you think, Ian? Yes, I was moved by it, uh, like you. And I, I suppose I mean they're not that similar, but as when Princess Diana died, and there was this outpouring of, of national grief that that's surprised everyone really. The intensity of it. JFK and Jackie were such icons uh, in their day. Uh, and, of course, this was an assassination, the first of a series of assassinations that hit America. Um, it was absolutely huge. And, I mean, I've seen, we've all seen the footage of the motorcade many, many times, but it, but I, I've never, I never knew who'd taken it. And as you say, it was this, this guy who was just an amateur film enthusiast, an immigrant, who arrived there with his 8mm millimeter camera and um so his story is interesting and then you find out that life magazine bought exclusive rights to to his film and then the film was wasn't shown to the american public for years uh, which is really surprising and he does actually well i think as the car goes behind a billboard or something, and as it comes out the other side, you can see JFK sort of clutching his throat because he's been shot the first time. But then there's this uh, notorious sequence, I think it's called Frame 313, which is the headshot of, of the second bullet. And I've not seen that before, and it, it is shocking. It's, it's just horrible. It's awful. I think they found remarkably... A new and different angle on on the JFK assassination, which, as you say, has been covered countless times. And what I particularly liked, it's a one-off. I mean, so many things we've talked about this 
documentaries they get overstretched on streaming platforms and you think when's it going to end but yeah this is a one-off it's well done really striking color archive footage and very moving as well now we've got to that time hannah where we find out what you've been binge watching this week well of course strictly i'm going to say that every single week but also i stumbled sunday i had i had a bit of an event on saturday night and on sunday i stumbled across i can't even tell you what they're called i apologize that's the whole point of this isn't it <laughs> but they were very dubious christmas movies and I was very happy under a blanket watching them. They had very nice eye candy for, for everybody. And it was just easy viewing. How about you? Well, since we've been talking about The Crown, Anna, I would like to point everyone in the direction of a film called Spencer. Screenplay by Stephen Knight, the Peaky Blinders guy. And it's all about Princess Diana. And it's set during a trip to Sandringham. And Kristen Stewart plays Di. You've got the likes of Timothy Spall, Sean Harris, Sally Hawkins. And it's about her sort of reaching breaking points and she's considering divorce. And, you know, it's it's sort of imagined. It's almost like a slight kind of fairy tale quality to it. But it's incredibly original and quite brilliantly done. So, yes, that's recommended. Now, we've just got time to look ahead to next week's offering. So what's on the binge watch menu, Hannah? Well, Jason Isaacs plays suave Hollywood star Cary Grant in moving ITVX biopic Archie. And Patterson Joseph and Daisy Haggard team up as unlikely drug dealers in the darkly comic crime drama Boat Story on BBC iPlayer. So we look forward to those and much, much more. But... In the meantime, keep watching. The makers of Binge Watch would like to apologise for the poor quality of Ian's audio in this week's podcast and reassure listeners that next week, Hannah will remind him to plug the right lead into the right socket so it sounds a bit more like this. <laughs>